if you haven't got screwed over, lied to, ripped off, maybe gone you know, borderline bankrupt, maybe even gone bankrupt, been scoffed at, ridiculed and had all your IP stolen. If that hasn't happened to you, it will. That's the thing about an entrepreneur. It doesn't make any sense until it makes sense. My name is Samantha Riley, and this is the podcast for experts who want to be the unapologetic leader in their industry. We're going to share the latest business growth, marketing, and leadership strategies, as well as discussing how you can use your human design to create success in business and life, inside and out. It's time to take your influence, income, and impact to the level you know you're capable of. Are you ready to make a bigger difference and scale up? This is the Influence by Design podcast. Welcome to today's episode of Influence by Design. I'm Samantha Riley and I'm joined today by Steve Sims of stdsims.com. He's been on the show before, but funnily enough, Steve, I checked and it was actually on my show before my last show so people can't even find it so we're gonna have to start all over again which isn't a problem because i know that you don't actually have a problem chatting with me <laughs> so welcome why to would the i <laughs> exactly, I, 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 right? I didn't even care there was a show i didn't even know there was a show i just thought we were gonna hang out <laughs> well this is great because people will get to hear our conversation now for those people who haven't come across you before I'd love mm -hmm. you to share what is it, you know, who are you? I was going to say, what is it that you do? But that's not a normal question that I can ask someone like you. <laughs> Just give us a little bit of an insight. Who's Steve's, who is Steve Sims? He's an aggravated, curious five-year-old and he's <laughs> yeah. never grown up. Um, I'm the typical entrepreneur that didn't like what I had, which was no money. And I went out to find out how other people had money. Uh, along the way, I found that working with affluent people, they were better qualified to answer the question than poor people. So I, I filtered my target market to only rich people. And I ended up getting them into clubs, restaurants, bars that they couldn't get into, that maybe the restaurant was fully booked. And I just wanted to see how far I could take that kind of like the go-getter kind of Mr. Mr. Connected thing. And I went from getting them into clubs and bars and restaurants to closing down museums in Florence for a table of six at the feet of Michelangelo's David and then having Andrea Bocelli serenade them at nine o'clock at night because he wanted a dinner party in Florence. Um, I had a couple that married, wanted to get married in the Vatican by the Pope. Uh, I had people wanted to go down and see the Titanic, drum lessons with Guns N' Roses, walking the white carpet with Elton John. To summarise... Uh, Forbes and Entrepreneur magazine called me the real life Wizard of Oz. Mm. And then five years ago, I wrote a book. Didn't think it would take off. I just wanted to get my kind of aggression out how people were doing. Uh, it took off. And now I basically speak, train and teach and coach all over the planet. Well, that book that you were talking about, Blue Fishing, that is what we talked about on the last episode. If you yeah. want to read more about Steve and his crazy adventures, go get a copy of that. But today I re we really want to talk about, I was going to say goal setting, but that it, I, I almost think that this needs a different name for what, you know, for where we're going with this because people set goals where they think they can achieve. Would you agree oh, with yeah. that? Yeah. Yeah, can it's always a couple of inch off the up. People, how do you know what you can achieve if you never try? But mm -hmm. that's people. They go, oh, I'm going to do this. 
And they gauged our goal a couple of inches past our fingertips because they think it's reachable. I could just grasp it. I could just gain. But what do you know if you're capable of if you're pushed or if you're released? And that, that's, that's a beautiful way that a friend of mine put it. We push ourselves to do things. That's force. That's effort. But if you take the stress, the cynicism, the critique, the judgment away from what your goal would be, ends up blossoming and blooming into something quite beautiful. Tell us, I know that you went from being a bricklayer to doing what you're doing now and speaking with people, incredible people all over the world. How did you harness that? I guess, firing your belly to go from I'm laying bricks to I'm going to go and shut down, you know, um, uh, the museum. I can't even think of what it's called, the museum in Florence, and I've been there. Um, and, yeah. you know, have a dinner party at the feet of Michelangelo. Most people go, oh, well, I can't do that. What, what, yeah. was, what was that thing, that piece of magic? Everyone there will say, oh, I couldn't do that because they're scared, mm -hmm. okay? For me... I was scared of not. Mm -hmm. You see, a friend of mine once said to me, the definition of hell is to meet the man or woman that you could have been if you'd have taken a chance. Mm -hmm. And as a young lad with no money, I remember one day, one of my massive pivotal moment, moments was I was on the building site. I was working with my dad. My uncle was on the building site. My cousins that were always bullying me. And my granddad, who was in his early 80s, and it was raining, it's London, and I'm on the scaffolding, and I look down the scaffolding, all the planks, and that's my family, that's my lifeline. There's my dad, there's my cousins, my uncle, and the far end, frail but big, is my granddad. And I thought to myself, is this it? Have I just seen my entire lifeline? Mm. And I went down to him in the tea hut afterwards, and I said, hey, granddad, and it, it's a rude question, but I went, hey, granddad, did you ever think you'd be doing this when you're this old? Now, in fairness, that should have been met with a smack in my nose. He didn't even look at me. He just blew into his tea to, to cool it down a bit before he took a sip. And he went, son, and I remember this until I die. He went, son, if you don't quit today, you'll be me tomorrow. Oh, wow. And I was like, yeah. And it, the whole heart of like 50 bricklayers just seemed to go hush in my head. You know, yeah. and I came bouldering out of that tea hut and I'm like, Dad, and he hated being called Dad on the building site. I was like, Dad, Dad, Dad. And he's like, shut up, shut up. What do you want? I went, I've got to quit. I can't be granddad tomorrow. Mm -hmm. And of course, like he's looking at me all confused. Apparently, granddad and him had a chat later on that day to explain, explain what had happened. But my dad let me go and I went off into the world to try and find my own path. My fear was not not trying my fear was to actually stay where i am mm. and no matter how successful you are and i'm going to be arrogant I i'm okay you know i live up in the hills i've i've got motorbikes whiskey i'm fine okay mm -hmm. but i would hate to be in exactly the same position in six months time that i am today there's no growth in that i mm. want to try things i want to speak to people i want to speak on stages. I want to get people activated to do more. I want to attempt more in order to fail, to become educated, to become experienced, to grow. And that's the difference. I think people have fear framed wrong today.
Mm. What does that growth what does that growth look like and mean to you? Oh, you've got to fail. This is the basic, this is the basic lineup of anyone that's credible. You try, you fail, that creates education. That education creates experience. That experience creates credibility. And for credibility, you can invoice very well for. So mm. that's that's the lineup, but it all starts with that failure. And mm -hmm. that's what you've got to lean into. No one has ever become successful by turning up. Mm. They've become successful because they tried something, didn't go well, tried something again, failed again. Hey, I'm experienced and I'm educated. Not going to do that again. And whoa, it works. <laughs> and yeah. bearing in mind, it can fail a, a thousand times, but you've only got to get it right once. Mm. And you don't know when that once is going to be. I remember nope. having a conversation um, with a really good friend of mine not that long ago. And she said to me, yeah, actually, I'll give you the visual first. You know, those um, those blow up, um, they're almost like these long dolls and you punch them and they kind of, you hit them and they sort of yeah. fall over and then they pop back up again. Yeah, said, yeah, yeah. Sam, you remind me of one of them. She said, you just keep going and going <laughs> and going. And I went, because that if you're an entrepreneur, that's the way it's got to be. And I think that so many um, people are scared of that being pushed down. They're okay to have the pop-up part, but they're being scared of like, oh, we're going there again. But there is, like, let's call it the truth. There is no other way to do it. No, there's absolutely no, no other way whatsoever. And that's, that's the difference. You brought up a good topic. That's the difference with today between entrepreneurs and entrepreneurs because mm -hmm. let's be serious you know you, you're a lot younger than me but we both came from a period where if you were an entrepreneur oh that was that was frowned upon absolutely you know, it, it was a dirty it, word <laughs> it was it meant that you were selling car stereos that you'd uh -huh. stolen off the back of a bus in fact i remember a, a, a sitcom in england called only fools and horses which was the the, the typical role model of what an entrepreneur was selling t-shirts with only one sleeve that kind of rubbish and now you ask a child at school what do you want to be i want to be an entrepreneur entrepreneurs have become revered as the rock stars mm -hmm. but the trouble is it's not for everyone no it and, is and that's not. fine every entrepreneur needs entrepreneurs they need people that can help support that vision but and there's also another thing called an intrapreneur those people that mm -hmm. work for entrepreneurs. But that's the big thing today. If you haven't got screwed over, lied to, ripped off, maybe gone you know, borderline bankrupt, maybe even gone bankrupt, um, been scoffed at, ridiculed, and had all your IP stolen, if that hasn't happened to you, it will. I was just about that's, to say it's coming. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing about an entrepreneur. It doesn't make any sense until it makes sense. And, mm -hmm. and here's a little round table for you guys listening to this. As an entrepreneur, you don't feel you fit in. You have conversations with people at the table and they're not getting what you're going for. They're not understanding your scaling. They're sniggering at your goals and aspirations and you don't fit in. Well, let me make it loud and clear. You weren't designed to. You're mm -hmm. meant to stand out. And it's not until you get into a room with other entrepreneurs that it's like going to Hogwarts and you suddenly realize, I'm in with the special kids. We're different. We see, 
hear action and do things differently. If your table is scoffing and laughing at you, change your change table. tables. Yes. Yep. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Couldn't agree more. We were talking before we started recording about, you know, being afraid of people laughing at us, people, you know, being afraid of people calling us stupid. How, and, and you know what? We're human, right? We're going to have these thoughts. I'm sure, I'm sure at some point you did, maybe not so much anymore, but at some point I'm sure you probably did. What can you talk to about this? Because it is a very real fear for so many people that I want them to get over this fear because they really do have something good to share with the world. So let me give you a story and name drop at the same time. Of course. Well, I was waiting for the name dropping. <laughs> All right. Well, here, here we go. We'll, 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 we'll start middle of the road. So I was walking through SpaceX with Elon Musk. Mm -hmm. And I had two clients of mine. And these two clients, we were walking towards a private function. There were about 30 people in there, and they were going to get to meet Elon and talk to Elon and all that kind of stuff. But I had had to go and get him to bring him into the room. And I brought two of my, my clients across just you know, to look after my personal clients. One of them was just very happy just to be walking through SpaceX with Elon wasn't saying anything, was just happy, smiling, was in the photos because we were getting photos. He was just happy. The other guy, he wouldn't shut up. He wanted to engage Elon in a conversation. And he was like, um, so um, so how did you do this? Or what, what did you think of that? And, oh, this has got to be good. Wouldn't shut up. It was getting to the point where I thought I was going to have to just give him a little prod just to tell him, hey, you know, calm it down, fella. You know, wind it down. And he turned around, this was back just before NASA became Elon's partner. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't know if you recall this, but just before then, NASA actually had a team that would rebut anything that Elon put on Twitter. Mm -hmm. If Elon said, oh, this is what we're going to do, NASA would come back with, there's no space in space for amateurs. And it's a shame that people are spreading this information when they lack the education to do so. It was horrible. Mm. Okay. They were and really shutting him down. Oh my God. They were going at him. Um, cause he was doing what they weren't. And that was, that was the thing again. He was disrupting just like he did with banking, just like he did with the uh, manufacturing of cars. So my client turned around and said, Oh, how do you feel about the fact that, you know, Twitter have a team? just to basically mock what you're saying. And I thought to myself, oh, for Christ's sake, man. And that was the first time that we, he got a reaction out of Elon. And Elon didn't look at him. He just turned around and he said, do you know, fella, they'll always laugh at you just before they applaud. Mm -hmm. That was it. And it was a mic drop moment. And as I've gone through life, I've realized that everything I've done People laugh at. I don't think like when I got to the, the dinner party for the six people in the Academia de Galleria, the museum that houses Michelangelo's David, there were people that were laughing at that concept. I remember going back to my hotel in Florence and speaking to the bartender that had looked after me the night before. And I went, oh, do you go there? And he was like, yeah, I go there. And I've been there when I was at school. And I said, oh, I'm having a dinner party there. And he's like, yeah, sure you are. And he laughed at me. Mm -hmm. And... What caught me was the people, and this is so arrogant, so here's an arrogance alert. 
the people that were laughing at me couldn't afford me. Mm. The people that could afford me wanted me on that table, wanted me in the camp. But those people, it's like when you've just sold your car, you've got 10 grand cash, okay? And all of a sudden you're getting financial advice from the guy at the edge of the bar that's never done anything. Yes. You're the idiot if you listen. So the first thing you should do is look at the source before you accept it. And I've got some very powerful friends. If they laugh at my goal, it's usually because I'm not aiming high enough. Mm. And there was there was a very good one. I don't know if you've heard of a guy called Jay Abraham. Oh, yeah, maybe close. just. <laughs> okay, okay. I, 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 <laughs> sorry, Jay. Um, well, he had... He actually lives just down the road from me. And so I went to Jay's house. This was going back a few years ago. And I had this business idea that was going to make billions. It was going to be fantastic, blah, blah, blah. And I went down and I sat with Jay. And I'm like, Jay, right, you're going to have a look through this, boy. And I went through my whole plan with him. And he's like, mm-hmm, yeah. And he looked through it. And he just suddenly started to smirk. And I'm looking at him thinking, hang on a minute. You know, what's going on here? Mm-hmm. And I went, so what do you think? And he, he literally came out with a smile and he went, I'm, I'm just a little bit flabbergasted, Steve. And I was like, okay, why? And he said, with all your credibility, with all your knowledge, with all that your enthusiasm, with all your experience, with all your connections, this is it. <laughs> and I was like, shit, I hadn't gone big enough um now the funny thing is we actually looked at it and the key focus was uh, and a friend of mine joe polish says is the juice worth the squeeze Mm -hmm. so with all of my effort into this new company was it worth it and we literally looked at it and we went no i can be more impactful doing other things that can create greater impact and when i did it he was like there you go Now, now you're there now you're there so you need challenges, but the people that are laughing at you, nine times out of ten are laughing at you because they're terrified you're going to do it and validate how inadequate they are too. Mm. It is so important to be surrounded by the right people. Like that story, yes. like if you're listening, go back and listen to that like ten times because you need to understand that the people you're surrounded with can make or break you, not because of them but because of how you're – Uh, your mindset, I guess, is formed. I hate that word mindset, but, you know, our, our ideas of our reality are formed or, you know, by the people around us. So, so important. I used to say that if you're in a great room, great things happen. Uh And I have, I have quite, and I'm terrible for this. So if we ever get together, just be aware of this. If I go to like a conference or a seminar you know when you get in and they give you a little badge and they go, oh, you're at table 11? Mm-hmm. I will go over to table 11 and I'm an introvert, okay? I know it may not be coming across that way, but no, I, look, introvert, we'll talk about that in a second. Actually, that'll be a good topic yeah, to talk okay. about. Yeah, okay, uh-huh. <laughs> but, um, and and you'll, you'll change your theory when I speak to you on that. Okay. But as an introvert, when I got to the table... I would suddenly strike up a conversation with everyone on that table like I was on acid, you know? Uh I quickly wanted to get an idea, is this a table I want to spend two days at? Uh And I would gauge a reaction. I'd be like, yeah, no, thank you very much. And I would change table. 
even if it meant carrying a chair over there to squeeze it in. So I was always careful of the room that I was in. When I was in New York six and a half years ago, I'm at the bar telling this girl a story that I was getting up to and the things I'd done. She ran off, came back, had this older wo woman with her, said, tell that story again. All right. I did. She just happened to be one of the heads of Simon & Schuster that released Bluefishing. I uh -huh. had a book contract within one week. So if you're in a great room, great things happen. If you're in a room full of poor naysayers, guess what you are? Mm, absolutely. Let's go into that introvert thing. I really want to dig into this because right. if I was going to say there was like a, an, a scale of introvert being one and extrovert being 10, you're saying you're a one. I'm thinking you're an 11. Oh. <laughs> I, I, would, I would have actually have put myself at a four uh -huh. uh, based on your scale there. And let me explain why. Are you an introvert or are you an extrovert? No, I'm an extrovert. Okay. An extrovert usually has to be the center of attention regardless as long as they're the center of attention. Oh, see, and that's it, not me at all. I don't think it is. I don't think it is. One of the giveaways that it wasn't you was because you're doing a podcast because you're curious, mm -hmm. okay, and you want to learn and you want to get at that education. You want to get in. Mm -hmm. You want to know the nuts and bolts of how somebody does something so it can benefit you and benefit your listeners. Mm -hmm. That's not an extrovert. An extrovert, and I've done podcasts with extroverts, they won't shut up. You could have left the podcast and they would have carried on talking. <laughs> they have to be, they have to be the center of attention. But an introvert moves with purpose. Now, I don't like, I don't like going to networking events. That's I why hate networking events. <laughs> introvert. That's because when I go to an event, it's got to be worth my while. I've got to be trying to get close to someone. I've got to have something to learn, product, promote, produce. There's got to be a reason. Introverts move only if there's a point to their movement. Mm. An extrovert will be in the middle of an of, of a opening of a donut store just to be in the middle of something. There's no gain. They just have to have the eyeballs. And when the eyeballs move away, they're empty. An introvert, when the eyeballs walk away from them, it's usually because they've got everything they need and they can go and stand in the corner and make notes themselves. <laughs> That's me. I've got a funny feeling I go between the two because I absolutely hate networking events with passion because you go there and you know that someone's going to stand in your face and sell you something. And everyone yep. goes there because they want to sell. But put yep. me in a conference, I will work the room and I will speak with everyone because I want to know what everyone does. Stop. Stop, rewind, and listen to that. And tell me you're not an introvert. I will go to a conference because I will work the room. You're in there with purpose. Yeah. You should get an introvert written on your T-shirt. An extrovert, <laughs> an extrovert just wants to be in there having conversations and waving hands and having eyeballs. Mm. But an introvert is there to work the room. That was your statement. 
super interesting. I've never had that perspective before. And then when I think about just off the back of that, I think about who I would consider really successful people when you meet them and, and you've met way more successful people than I have. So I'd love your take on this. I find that the, let me put it in a different way. The people that aren't as successful will tell you all about them. When you meet really successful people, they ask all about you. Oh, you're being good. So good. That is such a good observation. I will tell you that I I, I, I quite often hate meeting some of the people that I meet, okay? Because you'll walk into the room, they don't care what you're watching on Netflix. They don't care what you had for breakfast. They don't care how the traffic was. They're like, hey, Steve, how you doing? What are you working on at the moment? How much mm. impact is that going to create? How's it coming along with you? Who have you actually collaborated with? And are you working on an affiliate? It's like you're being grilled. Yeah. <laughs> because they want to know what impact they can assist you with. And the downside is when you show up as someone that also wants to impact, they they love that, you know? They want to help you. It's tiring. You mm, know, you end is. up it's coming exhausting. out of that. You end up coming out of that room and you're like, you know, it, it's just weird. I've literally gone around the corner of like a restaurant or something like that just to catch my air, you know, um, and it's it's been tiring. So everyone wants to know what's going on. But that actually leads us to something that I'm not quite sure. I think you have. You're a smart lass. Successful people, they value time differently than non-successful people. Successful people know I can make more money. You know, I, I can make more money. I can make more impact, but I can't make more time. Mm. So for that reason, every hour from the moment I get up, and like, let's be honest, when you're a kid, you wake up at midday, you know? I wake up at like 6.30 every day and I go to bed about 11.30 each night now. I want to get the maximum I can out of the day. I still need good sleep. I still need good rest. But I want to enjoy it. I want to see that sun come up in the morning. I want to rejoice that I'm up on the top of the hill because I put myself there. No one fell to the top of the hill. And I want to sit there with my coffee, with my dogs, with my beautiful wife, and just be grateful of the life that I, I'm leading because of me. And that's mm -hmm. what successful people do. They value the time that they have. They can't make any more of it. Mm, 100%. So many value bombs here. I've written so many, so many little <laughs> notes that if I go back to them all, we're going to be talking for hours. And you know, if only you were, there was a book. I was going to say, but <laughs> exactly. Not only that, but it's like cocktail hour, and you've got a whiskey with your name on it. <laughs> I do. I do. Exactly. You do have a book coming out. Let's talk about that because this leads perfectly into the conversation we've just had. Go for stupid. I think it's the perfect name for a book that you've written. Tell us well, about we it. Well, we actually, it was a title. So the book only came out at the beginning of COVID, uh, COVID the uh, the actual purpose of idea the book. Idea of it, yeah. Yeah, the idea, the concept. But the name we had been using for probably about 18 years. Uh -huh. Because how many people sit there and they go, hey, what's an impossible thing we could do? But that's like an oxymoron. You know, you've just stated that you can't do it and you've given yourself a way out. When you say things like, oh, I'm going to go for the impossible, you've just given yourself a subconscious little, well, I don't know what I was expecting. I did say it was impossible. But if you reframe that word and, and kind of, as we joke, 
Voldemort it. Don't say the word. You're not allowed to say the word. But someone comes to you and says, hey, I want to grow my business. Okay, what's the stupidest goal we can come up with? And let's go for that. And potentially, it's going to be a $20 million goal, but we'll fail and we'll make 10. Mm. You know, it's that kind of concept. So we always, within the office, um, used to go, hey, i got someone who wants to do this. Okay, let's go for stupid. What's a stupid idea we could have around this? You know, well, let's get you know, giraffe flown in and let's get... Now, a lot of those ideas couldn't be done, didn't want to be done, were out of budget, but you would always end up with a goal that was far superior to that little achievable goal that we spoke about at the beginning. So that was the term that had always been in there. And even we've got a media company and we have stupid goals in that. You know, we literally have the three month, the six month, the one year, the five year, and that's stupid goals. You know, they're literally on the spreadsheet Stupid goal three month, stupid goal six month. And they're, they're there, okay? They're there to be laughed at by us, but we're already achieving them, okay? Mm-hmm. So the name had always been around, and then COVID came along. And COVID became the world's greatest excuse. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God, I can't communicate with my friends anymore. Oh, my God, I can't go to the gym anymore. Oh, my dear, I can't do this. Are you kidding <laughs> Here's a little fact for you, and I don't know if you're aware of this, but it was the uh, the Sunday, uh, the British Post, uh, sorry, the British Sunday Times came out with it. They said that during COVID, the two-year period of COVID, over 5 million millionaires were registered. There's been never a point in history where that amount of millionaires have, been, have achieved that amount of money in a two-year period. And mm. they did it because, hang on, we're not driving to work. We're not driving home. I literally was getting three extra hours a day, mm-hmm. you know? Now, with the mentality of I'm going to make impact out of those, I'm launching companies and working with people and impacting, doing everything. So I was getting very annoyed, not only at how people were using it as an excuse, but then something cancerous came out of this COVID society that was called the cancel culture. Mm-hmm. And we wanted to look at people and go, oh, my God, you dressed up as a Chinese person at a fancy dress party in 1973. That's reason I should cancel your entire career. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. we wanted to find that nugget where we could humiliate people, laugh at people. And we'd drop Elon Musk in this again. Do you remember? Well, let me ask you a funny question. Do you drive a truck? No. Nope. Do you care about trucks? Not really, No. Do you remember when Elon Musk released his Cybertruck? 100%. <laughs> Do you remember the headlines the following day? Oh, I can't remember them, but I know they were bad. And what was it about? It was something breaking or something didn't. This man released something that you have no interest in, but you were aware of. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Uh And he released something, the only thing that was similar on his truck to anything on the road, anything, drivetrain, composite, materials, engine, because it was electric. The only thing that had any kind of relatability to anything else on the road was it was using rubber tires. Mm -hmm. That was the only similarity. One of the things he did was to test his bulletproof glass. So he got this guy to throw a rock or a golf ball. I can't remember what it was. 
and it broke the glass. Mm-hmm. Now, he had given us something that was so different in every way, shape, or form. And bearing in mind, bearing in mind, he sold out all the orders for that truck before the end of the live stream release. Mm-hmm. Rather, how many of us out there would love yeah, to be right? able to sell out a product before we've even started it? You 100%. Know? I'll put my hand up, that's for sure. Every single person would. But did we celebrate this guy's ingenuity? Did we celebrate him for giving us something that looked freakishly different to anything that we've ever seen before and being able to make the news headlines around the world? No. Mm. We wanted to laugh at him because his bulletproof glass didn't work. Mm. Now, I don't know about you, but if bulletproof glass is on your spec sheet of your next car, <laughs> you need you need to move home, not not buy a truck. Just freaking get, get out, out of that, you know. <laughs> but that's what we had. We're in a society we would want to jeer and laugh. Now, he didn't care. Now, I don't know if you remember this. He did a video shortly after that showing three of the truck doors, and he had different things shoot into him. One was a gun. One looked like a missile launcher. And he fired them into the windows, and every single window survived. Did you see that video? Oh, I don't think I did. Why didn't you? Because it worked. Uh-huh. We don't care if it works. We want to laugh at him, okay? Mm. The point is today, successful people don't care about you laughing. And today, we've got this gotcha society married with the cancel culture and just a cancerous way that we like to point and jeer, it's not stopping people from trying. They're scared of being seen. See, there's this old saying, what would you do today if you had no issue about, uh, you, you knew you couldn't fail? That's not important today. What would you try today if you had no fear of someone laughing at you? Mm. And that was it. And I started speaking to people and I started, I, I told you earlier, really got to me this cancel culture where we were picking on people that were doing exactly what we were doing back then you know and so i started attacking it on social and someone actually said to me you should put this into a book and then i started learning a little bit more and actually starting looking into people that were very successful the elton john elon musk jeff bezos all of these people and then i actually flip-flopped henry ford edison and what i discovered was and i mentioned to you earlier Henry Ford, there were protests trying to get him not to produce the car. And the reason behind it was because a horse could go through the woods and the car couldn't. Mm. That was the only reason. And then the dumbest one, and they tried to ban coffee. They tried to ban uh, the light bulb. They tried to ban the light bulb because it was dangerous. Having a house full of candles, that (laughs) wasn't okay. (laughs) Yeah, I think the Great Fire of London may actually argue that point. Yeah, yeah. You know, the the whole point is they try to ban these things. So the book ended up starting to like form out. And like everything, again, like us as entrepreneurs, we get angry, we get Mm -hmm. aggravated. And then we get, and I thought to myself, this has to stop. I'm not worried about failing. And I'm sure as shit, not worried about you laughing at me. But I am worried about people that are stopping trying because they're worried about people that don't matter jeering at them. So Mm. the whole book is to get the mentality right, to get you to understand the tactics and techniques to get over that, 
to learn from very powerful people how they just do not care about the jeering and the laughing to challenge you to adopt a greater goal. Mm, love it so much. And where can people go to find that? Because it's not released yet. It's not released for another it's month. It's not. It's not. No, we've got. So if you go, if you follow this, Steve D. Sims, you can follow me on Instagram, Twitter, anywhere you like. I'm Steve D. Sims everywhere. But if you go to stevedsims.com, you can put your email in there and it comes out on the 18th of October. And the second it comes out, we're going to send out a big newsletter telling everyone where they can grab it and you'll be able to pick up a copy. Love it so much. Steve, I always love chatting with you. It's it's always so much fun. I would love, to, what could you share with the listeners? What if they, were, if they were just going to take one thing out of this conversation today, what do you want to leave them with? Okay. So there's a mantra that I teach all of my coaching clients. The first time you try anything, it'll be shit. Now, if you recognize that, you'll try your first thing quicker to get that one out of the way. Because as Ari Mizell says, get going and then get good. Mm -hmm. I love that so much. Be the first pancake. They say no one likes the first pancake, but I like the first pancake. It's always crispy. <laughs> I've never, I, I do, I know exactly what you're talking about, but I've never heard it put like that. But I'm, I'm going to use it. I will actually give you credit, Sam. I'm going to say, <laughs> hey, I heard about this from my Australian gal pal. So, but yeah, be the first pancake. I like that. Be the that. first pancake. Awesome. Thanks so much for joining us today, Steve. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thanks for joining me for this episode of the Influence by Design podcast. If you want more, head over to influencebydesignpodcast.com for the show notes and links to today's gifts and sponsors. And if you're looking to connect with other experts who are growing and scaling their business too, join us in the Coaches, Thought Leaders and Changemakers community on Facebook. The links are waiting for you over at influencebydesignpodcast.com. Thank you.